The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. All right, what a great day. Great music this morning. I was just curious. uh, The farthest I've ever traveled, I've been to Mexico a couple of times, but just over the border, is... uh, right outside of New York, and that was Hurricane Sandy down there working. Uh, we were in New Jersey, and we, we nearly went into New York working. How far have you traveled? And you're just going to have to tell me. Who's, who's traveled outside the, the United States? Where, where did you go? Hawaii? Australia? Germany? Where? Honduras, Cozumel, Alaska. Oh, I'd love to go Alaska to Cooper. <laughs> you know you're in a small town when you go, yeah, I, I went all the way to Cooper the other day. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Somebody said, uh, how's it living in the, uh, uh, in the boondocks? And the answer was, well, I don't know. I've lived right here in downtown Cooper all my life. <laughs> Uh, we get that ideal sometimes. We live in an area and we forget that it's so much bigger. Who who else? Germany and anybody ever been to Switzerland? No. Where? Japan? You were probably on duty in Japan, were you not? Maybe. <laughs> Do what? You can't say. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Well, this morning, uh, I'm going to speak from a passage of Scripture that's probably really familiar with most everyone here. And uh, this this passage is the last thing that Christ had to say before he ascended to heaven. You know, we watch westerns and we watch these different shows, and uh, it's always the, the last words that folks are so uh, interested in. Matt Dillon, you know, he... Uh, uh, if he was trying to find someone, a, a, a killer of some, si- uh, some sort, and uh, the dying words of the person says, this person did it, that was good enough, because that was their final word. And this morning, uh, Jesus has a final word for not only his apostles and his disciples, but for us, and we are his disciples. So as we look at this word, we can understand that Jesus uh, is giving a commission which is looking forward to the continuation of His work. So He came to earth, He served, He taught His disciples, He taught about God the Father, He taught about the new covenant, which is a covenant in the blood of Jesus. It's no longer the old covenant. And as He began to ascend into heaven, He said, I have a closing word. If you would turn in Matthew chapter 28, Matthew 28, and we're going to be in verses 16 through 20, uh, and the gospel of Matthew is the only gospel that kind of brings a close uh, to Christ's time on earth. Uh, Mark, Luke, and John, they just kind of end, but Matthew, you kind of see an ending coming about here, and this is what he says, Matthew 28, and we'll start in verse 16. 
and the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Now, Judas is out of the picture, so this is why we have eleven. The eleven disciples went to Galilee to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some still doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, Here's his parting word, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Before our Lord Jesus left this earth and, and returned to heaven, I think he probably looked at his uh, bewildered disciples and, you know, they were confused. They thought Jesus was going to set up his earthly kingdom and they were going to be a part of that. And then Jesus died on the cross and then he's been resurrected. And, and they're, they're probably a little confused. And the Lord gives them a, a command, a commission that's global in nature. I want you to think about this. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ started in Jerusalem with 12 men. Think about that and think how far it's come over time. And Jesus is commissioning these people. He must have been concerned about the, the, the furtherance of the gospel. And, and he says, therefore, I'm entrusting a mission to you. I'm going to go and I'm going to leave this world and, and my mission that I'm leaving to you is to evangelize the world. And folks, for us today, that's still our mission. Jesus Christ still says, I want you to go and you need to evangelize the world. Now, part of this is individually and part of it is corporately. So as a church, we have an individual and a corporate commission. We have mission fields all over the world. Some of them are in downtown Cooper where somebody says, I travel. I travel to downtown Cooper. I, I travel to Paris. I, I stay in East Delta. I go to Sulphur Springs. Those are individual commissions for you and I. I believe this, that God places us in a place where we can minister. I believe God puts us in a, a job or puts us in a circumstance or puts us in a situation where we can be His hands and His feet and His body in the world today. I believe that's why we have our jobs, and I believe that's why God has placed us in certain areas. But also, He's opened the door for us corporately that we can evangelize the whole world. And as Jesus is talking to his disciples, that's what he's talking about. And in order for us to do that, there had to be some provisions made. And I have three provisions this morning I want us to think about, and I'm going to move through them rather quickly. And these provisions that Christ gave us are provisions that we might evangelize the world. And, and as he goes and he begins to say, you know, I want you to go, I want you to, to, make, uh, to make disciples both here and in court globally throughout the world, he says this, I have something for you. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, though some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. The power for missions. Jesus has made a way in that he has given us a power of missions. The work of the missions... And a work of a missionary is no easy task. And no one person can do that in their own power. If you sit here this morning and you think, Man, I can't imagine doing a mission at my job. 
It scares me. I, I can't imagine what it must be like to sit around a water fountain or a cooler or, or working there with someone and talking to them about Christ. We need to, we need to realize that, that the power we have behind that is not in us. We don't have the power in ourselves, but, but Christ said, I, I'm going to give you power. And, and all authority in all of heaven and all the earth has been given unto me, and it takes the power of God to survive in any mission venture, any time, anywhere, any place we are. It takes the power of God for us to excel in that, and that, and that power does two things. It gives us power to move, and it gives us confidence. You know, if you, have a, if you realize that your father is backing you, maybe you're a little guy and, and uh, you see some big dudes coming and, and you look back and you say, okay, my father's got my back. We have confidence, don't we? I mean, we, we get that confidence. And when it comes to the mission field, we need to have the confidence of knowing that God the Father, he has our back. And listen to this. Gene Mims puts it this way. He says, the power and authority to do what the Lord has commanded are His, it's not ours. Christ's power, Christ's presence and authority gives us the courage and the right to go from place to place sharing the good news of salvation. If we didn't have this power and if His continued to share the gospel with our efforts to win persons, our efforts would be futile. If we didn't have the power of God, if we didn't, if we didn't use the, the, the power of God to share the gospel, then we're spinning our wheels. But God said this, I've given you the power. Listen to what he said in John chapter 15. He said, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But listen, apart from me, you can do nothing. So Christ was teaching his disciples, hey, I'm, I'm the life-giving power. I'm, I'm the vine. I'm, I'm going to give you the power to produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So he gave us three things that we need when we go to evangelize. The first is this. When we're frustrated or powerless or doubtful, the power of God provides us comfort. He says this in his commission. Jesus, Jesus noted this. He says in verse 20, Matthew 28, 17, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. There must have been some sadness or pain on their face, and they're, he's there talking to his disciples that would have known him well. He would have known him well. And, and this occasion, they realize that he's leaving, so there's some, there's some pain, there's some discomfort there. And, and Jesus says, you know what? In Proverbs 29, 29, 25, the fear of man will provide to be a snower, but whoever trusts the Lord will be kept safe. See, he wanted his disciples to understand, I'm, I'm comforting you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the power of God, and you need to be comforted. Here's the second thing. The power that's given for missions is an absolute divine power. Do you know what he said? He said, all authority has been given to me. All authority under heaven, it's been given to me. This, this is not a few of them, but, but all the power. Jesus said, I have all authority. In Daniel 7, 14, it says, he was given authority glory and sovereignty and power in all peoples, all nations, and every man of every language, and they worshiped him. His dominion is everlasting, his dominion will not pass away, and his kingdom is a one that will never be destroyed. See, he wanted his disciples to understand, look, I'm giving you all power, and it's a divine power, and my kingdom will never be destroyed. Here's the third thing. This power confirms the universal nature of the authority of Jesus. 
it was not just for those disciples. He says, my power, it's, it's a universal power. And folks, when we begin to think about doing missions and carrying out missions in a sin-tattered world, and we, we begin to think about going into those demon-infested areas, we need to realize that Jesus is uh, he's, he's omniscient. He, there's, there's nothing. He's more powerful than, than all. And he wanted his disciples to understand this. In Acts 1.8, Jesus told his disciples about the, the coming of the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. He said, this is the power that's coming. And, and that power resides in us today. Somebody say amen. Isn't that great? He said to his disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. And verse 8 says, this is Acts chapter 1, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, listen, and even unto the ends of the earth. I remember making this statement before here from this pulpit. You realize the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you? If you're a born-again Christian, when you were born again and you accept Jesus Christ, we receive the power of the Spirit of God within us, and He lives within us, and He gives us the power to fill His great commission. The divine power, this power for missions, is, is God himself living in us. So, so that's where we get the power for missions. So, so God says, all right, I'm, I'm empowering you. I'm giving you the power. I'm giving you the tools. I, I'm covering all the things you need. So here's my plan. He has a divine plan. That's the second thing, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. I've given you the power, so therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Jesus gave them a mandate to move out from their, from their immediate domain, where they're at, where they're living, and he said, I want you to move out, and I want you to go. Now today, we're going to eat after morning service, and then we're all going to go, aren't we? Nobody's going to stay here. Nobody's going to spend the night here. I don't think we've, we've had that before. And the word that Jesus uses is this, as you go. That's literally the word he uses. He says, and as you go, that, that Greek word translate, or since you're going. He says, therefore, since you're going anyway, as you go anyway, I want you to make disciples of all nations. I want you to, to bring them around. And here's the big part about evangelism or missions or, or going out into your mission field. The, the hardest part of that, of doing those things, is we've got to get out of our comfort zone, don't we? You know, it's funny here uh, at church. Does everybody kind of know where everybody sits? We do, don't we? Boy, you do from up here. And, you know, we've had some new faces. And some of y'all are getting in somebody else's seat. Amen? You know, I went to a church, and uh, Denise and I, as youth pastor. And we sat down the first Sunday there, and we kind of come up towards the front, about like where Jeremy and Lindsay were sitting. I knew we were going to join that Sunday. And we sat down, and this little lady come up, and she tapped me on the shoulder, and I looked up, and she said, you're in my seat. <laughs> Could you move? And I said, oh, absolutely. You know, I, I would not want to be in your comfort zone. That's how we are, isn't it? We, we're comfortable, even in the church setting, we, we find areas we're most comfortable in. 
And the same is true in our daily life. We, we find a comfort zone, and we like to live within that comfort zone. When we have an opportunity to reach out in missions, it causes us to move out of that comfort zone. But folks, we need to realize that God gave us a mission. That word apostles means one who are sent. God sent us. He says, as you're going, or, or since you're going anyway, I'm going to send you into the mission field. I read this statement about uh, in a book called The Kingdom Principles, and it says, a church that does not go to a lost person and share the gospel with them is like a restaurant that's prepared food but refuses to feed the hungry. Folks, we got the answers. We've got the way. We've got the knowledge. And Christ says, you're my body, and I'm, I'm sending you, and as you go, I want you to be proclaiming my gospel. After telling them to go, he gave them three instructions. The first is this. He says, make disciples of all nations. In other words, he said, this is going to be a global mission. It's going to be a, a global charge that I'm giving you. And disciples means a learner are a pupil. So our commission is this, go and make learners of those who are lost. In other words, go and make disciples. Go and, 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 and turn those into learners or turn those into to pupils of Jesus Christ. And, and that's, that's our commission, to go and make learners. They're, they're not to, to, to restrict themselves to, to the Jews alone or to the folks just around them, but, but he's saying go out into the world and, and translate this, this, word, this word nations. He says go and make disciples of all nations. I, I thought this was interesting. The word that, that's the Greek that Jesus would have used is ethne. He, he would have said go and make disciples of all ethne. Now that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because that's the word, we get our English word, ethnic. That's where we get our word. And that's the word... Jesus used. And so that word means tribes, people groupings, nations, racial groups, and non-Jews. All of those things together, Jesus grouped in when he said, I want you to go. And I want you to go to all groupings of the world. As far as we know, there's 22,000 groupings of people in the world. 22,000 different groupings of people. And Jesus said, you know what? I want you to go to all ethnic. I want you to go to all of those groups and proclaim the gospel because all people are going to hear the gospel before I return. Okay, Jake, where did you get that? Matthew 24, 14. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Do you see that? The gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all ethne, to all, all people groupings, and then the end will come. So he gave them a, a commission to make disciples. Then he gave them part of that. Second part of that was, was commissioned to bring them into the kingdom of God. Did y'all know that Baptists didn't invent baptism? Doesn't it make sense that we did? We're Baptists. And baptism goes right along. But do you know that before Christ came, there was already baptism? Jews baptized. If you were not a Jew in the Old Covenant and you wanted to become a Jew, there were several steps, and one of those steps was baptism. Well, Jesus came and said, Hey, not only do, you want to, do I want you to go and make disciples, that's the first step, 
make those learners, make those followers. But secondly, I want you to bring them in to the kingdom of God. Now, how are you identified as one who was brought into the kingdom of God? You were identified as, hey, I'm following the new way, I'm a Christian, and I'm going to be baptized into the new way. Incidentally, that word baptized means to immerse. It means to, to dunk something under, to go under. That's literally what the word means. So when Jesus came, he said, all right, you're, you don't, you're not going to be a Jewish thing. This is going to be identifying with the way, with me. And it's going to be a picture of someone having and, and changing their life and dying and being buried in a grave and being raised up in a new life. That's going to be the picture. Now, I want to give you some scriptures, and I want to show you some key words here. As, uh, Matt, Acts 2.38 says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. What's the first? Repent comes first. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.41, Then those who accepted his message. What's the first step? Repent. What's the next step? Accepting the message. When they accepted the message, they were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Acts 8.12, But when they believed, that's the first step. Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, then they were baptized, both men and women. See, the, the progression there is Jesus said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. And then as you make disciples, I want you to bring them in to the kingdom of God and, and I, want to, I want them to be baptized. And then the third commission was they were to mature the new believers. What were they to do? They were to teach them all the things that he had commanded. Folks, I believe as a church we fail right there. I believe sometimes we go out and tell others. I believe sometimes we have folks come and they're, they're baptized and they're a new creation. What are they? They are babies in Christ. What's a baby got to have? Nourishment. He's got to have something to grow on. And I think too often we as churches, we bring someone in and we say, oh, we're so glad you came and we want to baptize you and you want to become part of this church and you're part of the kingdom of God. And then we forget to feed them. Jesus said, I want you to feed them. I want you to grow them up in a proper training. You know why we have Sunday school? To get that training. That's where we develop things. Uh, yeah, we learn some things behind a, uh, from a pastor and a, and a message, but, but we grow in Sunday school. I think that's important why we, we need to be at Sunday school because we're maturing ourselves as new believers. So, so Christ said, here are the things I want you to do as you go. I want you to make disciples. I want you to bring them into the kingdom of God. And then I want those, those believers to be matured. And he gives them one last thing. He says, with all of this, I have one more promise for you. Folks, for us, this is a great promise. He says in verse 20, And surely I am with you always, even till the very end of the age. Jesus reassured his disciples. You know, it said some would doubted and some really didn't believe but he said hey I'm not I'm not going to leave you I'm going to be with you always through the spirit of God Jesus said I'm with you always and, and I'll be with you even until the end of the age the Bible says Jesus is Emmanuel God with us and he became flesh and he dwelt among us David Livingston he, he was a pioneer missionary in Africa 
he went to dangerous mission trips all over Africa, and he imprinted these words on his ship. I am with you always. And years later, when he was asked how he survived such dangerous trips, passing through these regions that were at the time, they were untamed regions, he said, the words of Jesus help me through, which says, I am with you always. The presence that he promised is a timeless one, and his presence will be with us always, even until the end of the age. That end of the age is a Greek word, aeon, and it means an indefinite time period. It means forever and ever. And Jesus has promised us, folks, he's not going to abandon us. He's not going to leave us on the mission field. He's not going to leave us at the, at the break room table and, and, and leave you out on a limb all by yourself. He's, I'm going to be with you forever and ever until I return and then we'll be in his presence. Whether you're serving as a, a missionary in East Delta or whether you're serving as a missionary in Africa or whether you're leading a Bible study in, uh, in Texas somewhere or in the Philippines or wherever you may be, Jesus has said, you know what? I'm going to be with you continually. Hebrews 13, 5, God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You know, God's calling all of us into a mission field. You may say, well, I, I have a job, and, and remember what I said, I think God has placed us and planted us where we can go and where we can bloom. God's made a way that we can help others, that we can literally be involved in global missions. And we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. God said this, the field is ripe unto harvest, but the laborers are few. You know what? That has never changed. That was a picture of Jesus, and he looked out to those who needed to hear the word of God. And he said, you know what, folks? The fields are ready to harvest. Cotton's getting close, isn't it, Pat? And, and you know what's going to happen? You're going to drive down 24, and you're going to start seeing all those white blooms. Not blooms. You're going to be seeing that fruit, that cotton. I was looking yesterday as I come through, and, and I could see on the low part of them plants, and and that field is, is getting white for harvest. Wouldn't it be terrible to say, but there's no workers. It's just going to lay there. I, I went to Mexico on a mission trip one time. We were crossing over uh, into Mexico, and we were looking down in the, the valley there where the, uh, the, the Rio Grande River is, and there was just acres and acres of something growing. And there was big old huge tractors, and they were, they were plowing. And I asked the translator, I said, what are they doing? And he said, oh, them are, them are watermelons and cantaloupes. And he said, we can't harvest them, so we just plow them under. And Jesus looked and said, the, the fields are ripe unto harvest, but the laborers are few. Then he said, who will go? And who can I send? If you go back over to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, and this is where I'm going to close. Isaiah sees the Lord, and he goes through a process, and, and the Lord asks a question, Who will go, and, and who can I send? And here's what Isaiah said. He said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. I want to ask you if you'd bow your heads with me for just a moment. And I want you to consider this. God saved us. I use this term a lot, not to set, soak, and sour, 
but he saved us that we would be his body. Think about your body, feet, hands, eyes, ears, voice, outstretched arms. God said, you, church, are my body. And then he commissioned us to go. If, if everyone here asked, invited the same number of people to church that you've invited, how many people would be here? That's a question I ask myself. Father, I pray this morning as we consider your word and we consider your commission, Lord, I pray that we would realize that it's, it's not for apostles years ago, but it was for the body of Christ. And Lord, as you ascended to heaven, there was a group of men there and you commissioned that group of men. And Father, through that commission, you've led years and years and generations and generations to proclaim your gospel. Father, you tell us that your word will be proclaimed to the ends of the earth, and then your time has come. Father, I thank you for those that support this church, and Father, through that, we support missions all around the world. I thank you, Father, for those that, that me and others that go out into our mission field daily. I pray, Lord, that they would know us and recognize us by our good works. And Father, I thank you for the opportunities you give us to reach out and to proclaim your word, to bring hope to the hopeless, food for the hungry, healing to the sick. Father, you've empowered us, you've commissioned us, you've given us direction, and you stand behind us. And Lord, I pray that our answer would be, here I am, Lord, send me, in Jesus' name, amen. This morning we have an opportunity, I want to close with this, uh, we have Glean Lapades, is that close? That's pretty close, he is a pastor, uh, he is from the Philippines, and he has some churches in Malaysia, Manila, I'm sorry, and uh, he is going to come this morning, he has about... Uh, 10 minutes of things he'd like to say and then we have a gift for him we're going to present to him but I just wanted you to have an opportunity to see some of the work uh, that's going on globally uh, that we also help support so brother would you come good morning First of all, I was blessed by the message. I am encouraged and recharged. This is my second time in Texas. Uh, what a beautiful country and what a beautiful state with wonderful people. Uh, I thank the Lord for giving me this opportunity to visit your church, to meet Pastor Jake and Mom, Avon. And to all the members, I would like to say thank you. Uh, I am Brother Glenn Lapates. I am married. My wife's name is Faye. And uh, we are blessed with one uh, six-year-old boy. And uh, his name is Uriah Gabriel. 
This is my last church to visit and worship with today. I will be leaving back on Wednesday early morning to the Philippines. I was the first saved person in my family. Uh, both from my father's clan and my fa- mother's tribe. A uh, few months later, I understand it's very clear in my heart that God has something for me to do in to his kingdom. But it's never been easy because my parents, my father was from the Iglesia Ni Cristo. It's a Church of Christ in the Philippines, Pastor, but it's different Church of Christ here because the Church of Christ in the Philippines, they believe that Jesus Christ is not God and Jesus Christ is just a human being. And the Holy Spirit to them is just a force. And my mother was from the Catholic Church because we'd been colonized for 330 years by the Spaniards. And then you can notice that there is still a lot of influence by the Catholicism. These Iglesia Ni Cristo, they are cults, I believe, because I believe the Bible tells us that there is only one God, but the one God is manifested into three manifestations, and that is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are co-equal, co-sustaining, and co-powerful. They are very strong in the Philippines. It's very difficult because I experience resistance from my parents just to go to church after I got saved. But, you know, the burden, the passion that God puts in my heart is very strong. I pray to the Lord because God, I understand God wants me to preach, to be used by Him. I, I ask the Lord, Lord, if you truly called me in your vineyard, Please, first and foremost, save my family. That's the only prayer I ask from God. Because I cannot afford coming to other people and then looking back behind my parents, my mother and my father and my brothers and sisters are still unsaved. I pray to the Lord. I, be, I thank God because God is a God who answers my prayers. Amen. By the grace of God, it's all by God's grace. My father got saved. My mother got saved. And all my brothers, because I am the oldest. I am the oldest. I have four brothers after me, and I have two sisters after me. It's difficult because I'm the oldest. My mother would like me to go to college and get education so I can get a job and help my, my brothers and sisters. But God I, has something in my life. By the grace of God, they all got saved. And they are not only God saved, they are saving the Lord right now. And two of my brothers, by the grace of God, is already pastor. But I never thought God will call me in Manila because I got saved in Mindanao, where there's a lot of Muslim. Never thought that God want me to go in Manila, populated with 15 million people. Six years ago, we planted this church in Barangay Payatas, Quezon City, when Faye and I got married a week after we planned this church. Uh, I'd been watching this church and visiting this, but the, we started it in 2010. The garbage place of Metro Manila, this is where we started. I have a video that 
would like to share to you. Can you start? Is that the beginning? Sir, okay. Yes, sir. That's where we started.
two things I would like to say uh, in behalf of all the Filipinos and believers especially from our church we would like to say thank you to America because if not of the American soldiers who fought for our country the Philippines would have been banished in the map long time ago so I, we, we really thank you and that's why we enjoy freedom enjoying freedom now and at the same time if not of the American missionary who came to our country and preached to us the word of God I wouldn't be saved today my parents would, wouldn't be saved today my mother and my father and all my brothers and most of my aunts actually and uncles and cousins they are saved I thank you for that and that's why we, are, we have this spiritual freedom and those people they may not be saved doing the work in the Philippines has never been easy because considering that we are the minorities that's why um, I have a burden to plant churches as long as God wants me to do it for his glory and for his honor. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Glean. And uh, if y'all have any questions, it, we invite you to stay and eat with us if you can. I know you have a, probably have someone. If you'd like to stay and eat, you're welcome to do so. If y'all have any questions, y'all can uh, get with Glean, and he'll be happy to answer them. He's also said there'd be opportunity for mission work there if we would be uh, willing and interested to go to the uh, Philippines and uh, do some mission work there. Dolores uh, Roy Lee Jackson, Dolores' grandson, went to the Philippines this year, and uh, she said he'd like to come anytime and share his experience. So. Uh, uh, thank you, Glenn. And we have a gift we'd like to present you for as a church, a small gift to help out with your ministry. So this is from the, the members here at East Delta, and we'll be praying for you. More importantly than this is our prayers.